Welcome to the Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner, and my guest today is Pamela Finney. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you. Pamela, you are a trauma nurse at Regional One, where uh, I work as well. And I've asked you to uh, be on the program today because there's a new campaign that I just heard of that I don't know much about called Stop the Bleed. So before you tell us about Stop the Bleed, tell us a little bit about you and your training and uh, what the trauma service is all about at Regional One Health. Okay, as you said, I'm Pamela Finney. I am a nurse. I've been a nurse for 26 years. have a career with uh, trauma nursing as well as some other areas. Um, I am the trauma program manager. And basically what that means is I do the administrative portion of ensuring that we remain a designated level one trauma center. We are designated in the state of Tennessee, Mississippi and Arkansas. And what that means is basically 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, we stand ready to take care of those traumatic injuries that um, anyone in our community or in the 150 mile radius around us, uh, we stand ready to take care of those injuries. I think I hear one in the background uh, right (laughs) now on their way. Absolutely. It's an all day phenomenon with uh, helicopters on the roof and ambulances coming into the bay. You know, when I went to medical school, I remember there was this word trauma and I didn't really know what what trauma actually, you know, people talk about a traumatic experience. Mm -hmm. What does trauma mean? Trauma basically means that uh, you've suffered an injury that is life threatening. Uh, that needs specialized care, whether it be um, through a gunshot wound, a knife stab wound, an assault, a motor vehicle crash, um, even something as as, um, big as a fall, and that fall results into a traumatic brain injury. And uh, so as a, as a level one trauma center, it's really the whole region that, that comes when there's a car accident or a shooting do you have any idea how many trauma patients come to the ER in a, a given day, week, month, year? What, what do those numbers look like? So those those numbers really vary, but um, you know, on a typical and we we have what we call trauma season, but on a typical day, we could see anywhere from twenty five to thirty five, even forty traumas in one day. In one day, and in so. All of those patients come through the ER pretty quickly. A lot of them are bleeding. They're going to receive blood. They need an evaluation. They may need ventilators. They're going to need surgeons. They go to the OR. X-rays. A lot of nursing care. Fluids in, fluids out. Correct. And it all has to be done. It's like, well, it's my lunch break, right? You can't. It's all got to be done now. I think it's got to be done now. Got to be done, you know, now. A few minutes, uh, even seconds, can make a big difference with a with a trauma patient. Correct. You, um, the, the team the, from the nurses to, well, from the doctors to the nurses are, are trained to do that ABC, that, that primary survey to make sure that they look at that patient from the moment that patient enters our doors to see exactly what they need, what life-saving efforts or um, care they need. So that's airway, right? Breathing, 
And that is correct. Uh, Airway breathing, circulation, exposure, um, you know, the whole whole nine yards. We make sure we take care of all of that. Now, I know Regional One also has a burn center. Is is that considered trauma or is that like they their own thing? Or I guess you could probably have both, right, at the same time? Correct. So the, burn, the Firefighters Burn Center is another one of our centers of excellence. And sometimes patients may have what we call a polytrauma. They may have a traumatic injury, say they were in a car accident and that car accident caught on fire and that person got burned. So they may have um, some internal injuries as well as burn injuries. And what we do here uh, is, you know, collaborate that care. So whichever injury is prominent, that patient will go to that service and the other service will um, consult on that patient. So the right, care so is combined. prioritizing where, right. where you need to, to be. So as, as a medical journalist, I'm always kind of on the alert for uh, headlines. And I saw this thing, Stop the Bleed, that there's mm -hmm. a campaign and it's like, well, what's that? And then I saw that you are the local ambassador for the Stop the Bleed program. So I, I figured, well, you're a good person to talk to. So tell us about, educate me about Stop the Bleed. Okay. Stop the Bleed is an initiative that, you know, came out of a collaborative effort through the American College of Surgeons and a lot of other um, groups that got together and basically reviewed um, these mass shootings that have happened over the decades. And, and Stop the Bleed is not new. It's been around quite a while, several years. Um, but um, from those um, collaborative meetings and things, Stop the Bleed uh, was developed. Uh, so what they saw and what they found was that a lot of times when you do have a mass shooting, the um, law enforcement officers are uh, designed and equipped to go in and stop the threat, not stop the bleed. So you could have a person there that has been shot. You can have a person there beside them that has not been shot. But if that person doesn't have the training that's needed to do simple life-saving uh, uh, measures to help that person, then that person could lay there and just simply die simply from not having bleeding control. But we found that you can raise your hand and stop the bleed. What I'm, what I'm saying is you can use pressure and these are the techniques that are taught in the classes. You can use pressure, which is simply taking your hand, putting it over a wound or over an opening that's bleeding out and hold pressure. Or you can pack that wound. You can take that uh, a gauze or whatever, uh, put that gauze down in that wound and hold pressure as well or you can use a tourniquet to stop the bleed. And uh, that's a skill that we teach. We teach all of those skills. With tourniquets, we teach you where you can use the tourniquet, where you couldn't use the tourniquet. Uh, places that you couldn't use a tourniquet would be maybe on the neck, on any of the uh, joints, uh, whether it's under the arm, the elbow, or the knees. Um, the, a tourniquet wouldn't work there, but on any other uh, soft tissue area, like the arms, the legs, you could use a tourniquet. Well, I think, you know, when you're medically trained, that sounds like common sense. But if you're a lay person, you know, and all of a sudden there's all this chaos and somebody's shot and you're standing there and it's like, well, number one, if you're like most people, uh, you don't want to have anything to do with it. 
And on the other hand, you know, you're a human being and you want to help, but you're probably afraid of hurting that person or somehow getting yourself more involved. Is there any danger of, of hurting someone when you're trying to help them? So anytime someone has a open wound, it's going to hurt. Um, one of the things that I try to emphasize to people when I'm teaching Stop the Bleed in the community, especially, is you never want to videotape someone dying. That's the first thing. You always want to let the person know that you're going to help them and it may hurt, but you've already called 911. They're on the paramedics are on the way. They'll be able to help you with pain medicine to, you know, to get you to the hospital. But you do want to let that person know that it's going to hurt. Uh, some people do have a uh, concern or have pause about helping people because they don't know, you know, it's blood. Am I going to get something? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be okay? But we try to, you know, ease their uh, fears with that by letting them know that if they get blood or whatever on them, they can let that paramedic know that they did get blood on them, give them their information and just go and um, have testing done. And nine times out of 10, there's no uh, transmission of anything. Well, unless there's an open wound or it gets right. in your eyes or mouth, uh, you know, it's just a liquid and it ought to just uh, wash off. Right. Um, so can it really make a difference? I mean, uh, you know, you see in the movies, some guy gets shot and they go and they're putting pressure on him. Uh, can it really help? It can really help. Um, if you see blood, if a person sees blood like spewing out or shooting out of an injury or pulling under the ground, uh, bleeding control can help. If you take, again, take a gauze, take a towel, take a t-shirt and cover that and hold pressure as best you can, um, that can help. That can stop a person from bleeding. Uh, it can pause a person from bleeding. But again, um, I try to make sure I tell uh, the people in the community walks or whatever, you're doing the best you can and that person will appreciate you. And you have to consider yourself if it was you, if it was a family member, if it was a child, you would want someone to help you. And you really have to think about that, you know, uh, helping someone like that. If it's you, would you want someone to help you? What about positioning the, the patient? Do you teach anything about that? Should you stand them up or lie them down or it doesn't matter or? Yeah, we don't get into, you know, any of the positioning or anything. Uh, usually if someone is hurt or bleeding or whatever, they're going to be lying on the ground. They're going to be, you know, stationary. So, and even if they're not, you're going to, you know, if you're helping someone, just let them know you're there to help and, you know, sit down. Or if you need them to lay down, lie down and let me help you. Right. I think, you know, it, it's, again, it's kind of common sense, but there's only so much blood in the body and it's got to get to the brain. I'm a neurologist. That's the most important part, right? But it's got to right. get everywhere else. And if it's leaking out, you know, at some point there's not going to be enough left and right. the person's going to die. So yeah. if you can slow that process until EMS gets there and they, they can give blood or they can give fluids and they can kind of try and top off the tank a little bit, even if it's Absolutely. still leaking out, you know, they have the tools to, to make a, a, an even bigger difference. So step one, if there's somebody bleeding, call EMS, right? That definitely step one. Well, and it, step, is that right? Well, well, step one, make sure you're safe. Because ah. if there's something going on, you want to make sure you're safe and you don't become a victim of the same thing that just happened. So make sure you're safe uh, okay. first. And then call 911. 
All right. So you want help to be on the way. 911 and then just find the leak and stop the leak. Correct. Do the best you can. Even just your hand. Even just your hand. But if you got some kind of towel or you can even use that person's jacket, you can use that person's shirt. You can use whatever you need to cover that wound and hold pressure. Now, is this a program that's available uh, in schools or to the public or how, how do people learn how to do this? So uh, bleeding control program uh, is available to the community, to schools, to groups. Uh, it's a program that's taught free of charge uh, by making a simple request. If anyone is interested, they can reach out to uh, me at outreach at regionalonehealth.org. Or if they're looking, you know, if it's someone that's not in this area, they can always go to stopthebleed.org and find a class in their area stop the bleed.org now we both live in uh, memphis tennessee where there's way too many car accidents and there's way too many uh, gunshot wounds right. and i just read in the paper that now you can buy a gun without a permit so i'm a little concerned that uh, this kind of training is going to be even more valuable for everyone to have hopefully not i guess we'll have some statistics in a year or so now we talked about the level one uh, trauma center. How, how busy is it? How many patients do you actually have to deal with on a given day? So it, it depends and the number can vary. Um, we have something that's called trauma season where we're extremely busy. Um, and you know, well, that sounds like a good time to be out of town. When, when is that? <laughs> when is that? Um, it, it starts like in February ish and goes through maybe, um, November-ish. So, it, so pretty it's much a, the whole year. <laughs> pretty much the whole year. But you can, if you can think about it, it's like spring break starts and then, you know, summer starts and all the vacation time starts. So those are times where people are out there traveling. They're, they're mixing and mingling. They're, they're doing a lot of um, events and things happen. Uh, so trauma season does happen. Um, pretty much year round, but it's through like a nine month time span. And uh, on a regular uh, day, we can probably see anywhere from 25 to 40 patients in one day, and they can come by ground or air ambulance. So that's car accidents, gunshot wounds, stabbings, uh, falls, falls, right, right, and, uh, assaults, who just gotten hurt. And uh, trying to trying to patch them up quickly so they don't die and Correct. then kind of fix them gradually after once they're stabilized, not dying, then Correct. start fixing the, the broken parts. My goodness. A lot of times just get them back to what is going to be their new normal because some people don't go back to the normal. They go back to a new normal. Right. So, you know, in medicine, unfortunately, we learned that not everything is fixable and you know always the best uh, prevent the best treatment is prevention right don't Correct. have the car accident don't get shot right absolutely don't fall off a cliff you know don't <laughs> don't do all of those things that get you uh, in the er in in the first place uh, it's not always possible but uh, 
I always wear my seatbelt. I don't know how much good it does, but it's, I know it's better because when I see people in the car, you know, and they come to the ER and the ones who weren't wearing their seatbelt, you know, they find them like 40 feet away from the car. That is correct. And, uh, they're not in good shape. So That's wear your seatbelt and uh, be careful with those firearms um, and, you know, help us uh, keep the census low. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell me one more time, if I want to learn how to do this, stop the bleed thing, where do I go? You, for Memphis, for our local area, you can um, contact outreach at regionalonehealth.org or um, nationally, if you want to find the class, you can go to stopthebleed.org. That's great. Well, Pamela, I want to thank you for teaching me and uh, sharing with our uh, listeners all about uh, what a trauma center does and uh, stop the bleed. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The Art of Medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe www.andrewwilner.com.